the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. YouTube is cool because it's kind of where like the practicality of Google and the creativity and the entertainment factor of video kind of combined together because you can have content that's both incredibly informational, more informational than if you just Googled something and still massively entertaining more so than if you're just reading, you know, some article off some website. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. You're back on the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Ken Richardson. Ken, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How about you, Jim? Oh, I'm excited to have you on the show. Our little friend should be joining us shortly. He is getting ready for trial. I know that he's busy and he's going to be joining us momentarily, but we didn't want to keep our live viewers waiting. Let's talk a little bit about Ken Richardson, who you are, and how we sort of all got connected. So my story is I'm a student at UMSL right now. I got a full ride scholarship there and I really wanted a legal internship. And so I called and I harassed about 10 different firms. And finally, I got an interview at Jim's and I actually didn't even meet him before I started working here. I didn't, it wasn't until after I started working here that I met him. And I actually got in because I said that I would do social media projects for him. And my ultimate plan was to start off doing social media stuff and make my way into legal projects. But it ended up being the other way around. I started doing social media and online marketing full time now. I never knew that was part of your overall plan. No one ever told me that. So that's that's interesting. It's probably why it, it didn't work out that way. So when <laughs> when did you start with us? Was that last September? Last November. Okay, and I do remember that you kept harassing us and that you came in and met with Amani and Adela, my wife and my office manager, and they both came out of that meeting and said, oh, you're going to love this kid, Kent. So tell everybody a little bit about you besides that you're just going into your sophomore year of college. Like, where'd you grow up? What's your background? How were you ever even suited for handling social media? So I grew up in Washington, D.C., right outside in a little area called Fairfax, Virginia. And that's where I grew up until about four years ago when I moved here to St. Louis, Missouri. Right now I live in Eureka, and that's where I graduated from high school. I've kind of dabbled in video in the past, but it wasn't until Jim, me and you started working together that I realized how much of a, of a real impact that video and online marketing can have. And so, especially watching the YouTube channel grow, it's just been, it's almost a game to kind of watch the numbers go up and 
figure out which combinations of tags and strategies work and which play out the best. I remember when you first started that you kept coming to my office and taking some books off my bookshelf and reading them like over the weekend or overnight. What were some of the books that you read that sort of stand out in your memory? Well, so I remember you had me read No BS Marketing and I thought that was really interesting. The writing style was really interesting. And I remember thinking the guy was kind of old fashioned, but, but there, there are some pieces from there that I really liked about that one. Another one that uh, I read recently that I should have read a long time ago that I just barely got to was obviously everyone here should know it, but 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. There's a lot of really good stuff in there that I've opened to implement and things like that. Right now I'm reading some by uh, Damon John, and a lot of you guys should probably know him. He's the guy who started FUBU, and he's also the cool guy on Shark Tank. And so I'm reading his book right now, which... I actually can't remember the name of. The Power of Broke and that other one he had the on. Power Broke, yeah. And so I just barely started that one, but that's been really cool to listen to kind of his perspective on things. And so what have you been working on? Like when you first started with me, what was your approach? What What were the things that we worked on sort of early on? And then maybe tell our listeners and our viewers sort of how that grew over time. So I remember there were a couple things we started on. I remember you came to me. I think one of the first things we did was we set up the immigration answer show because you were dead set on, on starting a podcast. And I think what's been cool about that is we actually ended up taking about a, probably about two month break from that. And it's cool because we had so many episodes that were just sitting there that as soon as we, even while it was gone, even when we weren't adding new stuff every week, because there's already so much content there and it was set up correctly, we actually were building views, even as it was just sitting, just kind of passively building. So that's pretty cool. Another thing you brought me on to do was to optimize the YouTube channel. And I think that that's where we've seen a lot of our most immediate impact overall is, is leads and things like that through YouTube and just kind of how explosively that's grown, especially in the last six months. And then lastly, probably a lot of the people listening right now probably know this, but Jim brought me on and he had me set up the Max Lawcon 18. And so making the landing page, organizing that whole event was something else you brought me on to that I really enjoyed. Yeah, and I think that all those topics are interesting ones in and of themselves. I mean, I think the value of having a podcast is hard to underestimate. I hope Tyson's not driving because if he is, Mitch Jackson's going to read him the Riot Act. But Tyson, we're talking about <laughs> sort of Kent's entree into social media and working with me and sort of the projects that I had him working on. One was sort of the podcast, the other podcast, my Immigration Answers podcast. And then we talked about YouTube. We're going to talk about YouTube and about the conference. And when it comes to the Immigration Answers show, we did something sort of interesting. At first, I was recording actual episodes of the podcast, and then we quickly realized that we were able to take a lot of the content from the old YouTube videos and turn those into podcast episodes. And I remember that you noticed some trends, too, as far as whether – we posted often or rarely that the numbers were sort of the same. Can you can you talk a little bit about what we did there? I think that there's a really fine balance between not posting enough and posting too much. And what we realized is originally we set out and we decided we were going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we were going to post an immigration answer show. Jim was going to answer a question that he had submitted specifically for the show. And then I was going to make the episode and post it. And essentially what we realized pretty quickly is that we would get a small bump the day we posted, but regardless of whether we posted three times a week 
or once a week, we saw approximately the same amount of engagement, the same amount of downloads overall for the whole podcast. And so what we ended up doing is, one, we scaled back to one episode a week. And two, we also realized that we were answering the same topics on the podcast as Jim was answering on his YouTube channel. And so rather than Jim recording the same question multiple times for multiple content streams, what we did is we just started pulling the audio from our YouTube videos and then repurposing it into the podcast so that essentially Jim would only have to record an answer once, but people could hear it across a bunch of different platforms. All right, Jim, I don't know what the Miss Jackson reference was, but I'm not driving, just so you know. I don't know if you're, you're talking about the whole Miss Jackson song. I really have no idea. It was completely over my head. Hey, but Kent, all right, so I want to talk more about the conference. So was there something that surprised you most about the conference when it came to preparing for it, setting it up? I mean, what like what stood out the most to you? I just remember being shocked at like how much work goes into setting up a conference. And I'm not saying that to make it sound like I'm like, oh, I did so much work, but just all the moving pieces and all the things that have to line up, they go to putting together an event like that. It gives me a ton more respect for, for people who, you know, set up events and that's all they do for a living is, you know, their event plans and things like that. One of the really cool things about the conference, and I think that you guys have probably said this before, but I'm really terrible with names. And so I was really surprised that when everyone was coming to the dinner at the Thaxton, I was able to pick up on people's names. It was kind of a surreal moment because I'd never met any of these people in person. And yet I'd either, we'd had like an email conversation or I'd read their name enough or typed it enough into an Excel spreadsheet that I, you know, had it memorized forward and backwards. So that was really cool just to kind of meet all my virtual friends. Obviously, I think part of that reason your workload was so high was because it got as big as it did so quickly. And so we were sort of ready for it, but we we're also sort of scrambling. And I think that we're going to be a lot better off next year, having seen how all the moving pieces work together. I remember at the conference that you were a little bit nervous about getting up on stage with me, which surprised me. Talk a little bit about, because I think next year, Tyson, we're definitely going to have, to have Kent do his own session. I think it'd be very well attended. And what was your experience being up on stage? I'm actually super, super introverted. The majority of my life, I've never been a person who likes to draw a lot of attention to myself. And so for me, what I found is that if I'm really passionate about something, that I can talk about it fairly easily and, and it doesn't bother me. But yeah, I was really nervous at first. And actually, I kept giving tasks to myself. So like I knew Jim told me that the morning of that I was going to go up and speak with him. And so I intentionally set up my my schedule for that day. So I would have to go and get pick up all the Ted Drews right before I had to go up on stage. And so I wouldn't have any time to think about it. I just come back from getting the tetras and then go right up on stage. So I found I just have to keep myself busy and that's kind of how I deal with that. But yeah, I'm excited to speak next year and I've got a couple ideas for presentations that I can do that I think will deviate a little bit from, from what people are kind of used to hearing in conferences or at least legal conferences. I think it'll be really interesting. I think you guys will be entertained. Jim, I think what's lost on us is that like, Kent is 19 years old. I mean, like, Jim, like, that's amazing. Like, what Kent has been able to do at this age has been just incredible. It's awesome. But All right, so, Kent, talk about your favorite presentations during the entire uh, conference. You've not only gotten to watch them live, but you had to edit them, each one of them. So what was your favorite? Yeah, so I've seen every single presentation probably, like, four times through now. One of the ones that, that I really enjoyed a lot, and I'm biased because me and Joey kind of have similar mindsets on things, 
but I really like Joey Vitale's presentation quite a bit. And I just like the way that he approaches business with kind of work-life balance perspective in mind and just kind of the way that he kind of treats it. Just the way that he he's able to like maintain that perspective. And actually a couple, probably a week ago or two weeks ago, he had a shirt line that was that said something like, I'm more than just my business. And it got a ton of shares and a ton of publicity. And I think that that just goes to show that there's like a millennial generation that has a totally different like mindset and view on kind of how business should operate and how businesses should work in this kind of generation, stuff like that. And so, and so I, I really connected with his message quite a bit. Obviously, John Fisher's I actually missed because I was out getting the Ted Drews. And so it was cool to go back and see his after the fact. So his was really cool to see. Mitch Jackson, of course, was fantastic. Another one I like was William Edie's because he got he got pretty technical into it. And so as someone who is kind of in that space, dabbling in SEO and things like that, that was really fun for me to watch and go through a couple times because I could take my time, look through his slides, look through his, his slide notes and things like that and really dissect what he was doing. And Tyson, I think we've seen, we've kind of actually taken directly some of the stuff he's doing and use it on uh, your website and continue to use that on your website. Let's talk a little bit about the topic of the day, which is one that you selected for this episode, and that is getting to a million views. And I know we talked a little bit about it at the conference, but I think that the engagement that we had with this topic, with the number of signups of people who wanted to just come to this episode through Facebook Live is evidence of the fact that people are still really involved in thinking about YouTube. Why don't you talk a little bit about what your mindset was in picking this as a topic? So I really, really, really like video a lot. Video is my passion. And so for me, YouTube is cool because it's kind of where like the practicality of Google and the creativity and the entertainment factor of video kind of combined together because you can have content that's both incredibly informational, more informational than if you just Googled something and still massively entertaining more so than if you're just reading, you know, some article off some website. People go to YouTube ultimately to be entertained, but I think that it draws more people that way than a platform that isn't there to entertain. And so I think that you can kind of win people over off guard because they're not like, they're not necessarily expecting you to sell them something or they're more open to being sold to if they're also being entertained or if it's something that they're really interested in. So Jim and I throw a lot at you, whether it's the podcast or through our firms and you have to research all this information. I mean, have you found any data or any other information on really the keys to getting to that million views to, to actually, are there certain things that people should focus on whenever they're doing these videos? I mean, I'm constantly learning. And so I don't, I don't profess to be like a super, super like ultra YouTube expert, but the things I have found that really matter are one consistency two, making sure that everything is tagged correctly. Like essentially Jim had kind of flatlined his channel. And so it was kind of coasting at a certain point. And I came in, I did all the tags, and we kept consistently uploading videos probably about once a week. And over the, that course of time, over the next probably three or four months, the channel volume jumped by about 50%. And so that change alone just by itself was a 50% jump for our channel. Will you be more specific when it comes to the tags, talking about what you're talking about, what, what yeah. you changed when it came to the tags? 
Yeah. So, and, and I learned a little more about this recently. So YouTube places a lot of emphasis on tags because essentially it's really the only metadata that it has that it can crawl through when it's trying to figure out what your video is about. And so essentially when someone puts in a search, whether it be on Google or directly on YouTube, it's looking at titles, titles of videos, but it's also looking through the tags and it's also looking through the descriptions. And so having a combination of those three things that are clear and accurate and concise, that's the key to having a video that comes up really well, not only from organic search, but also through recommended videos, which is actually about 60 to 70% of all YouTube traffic. So let me ask you this question. So let's say that, I don't know, we'll come up with a topic, um, hiring the best auto accident lawyer, car crash lawyer. I mean, mm. so... What tags specifically would you apply to that? A lot of it depends on how local you want to go with it. So what you can do is, I would say, I would start with, like, let's say it's St. Louis. So I would start with, like, St. Louis car accident lawyer. And the other thing to keep in mind is your first five tags on your video are going to have more emphasis. YouTube's going to place more emphasis in their algorithm on those first five tags than on the rest of them. So you want those first five tags to count. So probably the first one is you want to have the name of your firm probably be your first tag, I'd say. And what that'll do is it'll tie all of your videos together so that if someone searches or pulls up your video and is watching your video, the recommended video section will show another one of your videos because it will see the relationship between those two tags rather than send them to another lawyer or competitor who also has St. Louis car accident lawyer. So I'd say... Just for a you know, generic car accident lawyer firm, I'd say name of the firm. I'd say like St. Louis car accident lawyer, or um, then I, I get even more specific. I'd say like like Crestwood, Missouri car accident lawyer, like Crestwood car accident lawyer. And then from there, what I would do is for the rest of them, I would break it down and I would I would type in kind of the search queries that you typically people would typically put in. So, so that's why I say like um, Crestwood car accident lawyer, because that's something that someone would actually directly Google onto, like, like directly search. And so what happens is if someone goes on to Google or they go on YouTube and they type in Crestwood car accident lawyer and your tag is Crestwood car accident lawyer and it directly lines up, YouTube is way more likely to bump you up in that case. And what I've seen from a few different channels is that oftentimes if your combination of title description and tags are closer to what people are searching that actually lower view channels or lower subscribe channels will actually beat out videos and channels with more views in searches simply because YouTube rewards having an exact match in their algorithm more than simply just having a ton of views. Although that's also part of the case. So I pulled up on the share screen one of our recent videos and just to show everyone the tags. So he has USCIS, USCIS denied my case. Why did USCIS deny my case? Jim hacking, Jim hacking immigration, hacking law practice, immigration attorney St. Louis. And I know a lot of those you did through TubeBuddy, which allows mm -hmm. you to sort of put the same tags on multiple videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can build templates. Why don't you talk a little bit about TubeBuddy? Yeah, so TubeBuddy's great. So I use TubeBuddies on all the videos. One of my favorite things to do with it is to make the thumbnails because you can do it in browser. So I don't have to open up Photoshop or anything like that. I can do it directly in the in the browser. The other thing that I like about TubeBuddy, and this relates to tags, is that it'll actually give you tag suggestions. 
And so it'll read the tags that you already have put in. So let's say uh, you put in USCIS to dine my case. What it'll do from there is it'll it'll give you suggestions like USCIS denial, like USCIS, just kind of the general topic, and and different things of that nature. Or if you if you put in something like, you know, like uh, depending on the title of the video, it'll give you suggestions based off that as well. And so it takes a lot of the a lot of the kind of grunt work out of trying to figure out what to type because a lot of times you can just put in two or three tags and it'll feed you the rest of the tags just based off what people are searching already. That's made my job a lot easier. TubeBuddy's great. Jimmy, I don't know about you. I mean, you, you already know a lot of this stuff because Ken's been doing it, but it's like already for me, it's already been incredible. Just because like just the TubeBuddy thing, just the tag thing, that's pretty incredible. Those weren't things I, I knew about. From an editing perspective, Kent, will you talk a little bit about what are some ways to streamline the editing process so people can get these videos uploaded faster? So I probably started editing videos probably about 10 years ago when we got our first little little MacBook at my house, one of the really, really old, chunky ones. And the iMovie on that was what I edited my movies on. And since then, we've come a long way to the point where Jim is editing full-length clips with titles and animations and things like that all on his iPhone. And so we've reached the point where you don't even have to own a computer with editing software anymore in order to put out professional-looking videos. And so what I would say is that a lot of people kind of get hung up on the idea that you have to have a dedicated video camera for shooting video. And what I would say is that that couldn't be further from the truth. For example, last night I went and did a photo shoot with my girlfriend, and I took a, a $600 camera with a $700 lens on it, and we went head-to-head -head with her iPhone 10, and we both took pictures at the same time of the same things, and we found that for it was nearly indistinguishable between the two things. And so I would say that if you have any kind of camera that's been made in the, I mean, smartphone that's been made in the last, you know, three years, like, you're totally set. I would just, you should just start rolling with that. Because the truth is that any camera below $1,000 isn't, you're not going to be able to tell a difference between your iPhone camera, what you've already got. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about how things have changed for you as far as you used to just work with me, and now everyone's trying to steal you away and get you working on <laughs> other, other things. What are some of the projects that you've been introduced to that you've had fun working on to the extent that you can talk about them? What are some of the things? So me and Tyson have got a cool secret project that we're working on that's hopefully going to be pretty cool. Another thing I'm branching in is I really enjoy shooting. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get into this. I did one for Gary Berger a little bit uh, a little while back, but shooting firm overview videos and just kind of telling the story of firms, kind of what Crisp Video is doing. That's been fun. With the Haskins brothers, I've been doing a lot of their video editing, and that's been really cool too because I enjoy doing that quite a bit. But probably my, my biggest project is with my company, Phantom House Productions. I've launched a new, it's kind of an experiment. What it is is a subscription model, but essentially within that subscription model, I essentially do everything for whoever that person is that I would do for Jim. I like run all your podcasts and I do all your video editing and uploads and things of that nature and, and kind of the coaching and stuff like that. And so what I've been doing is, Hopefully, once I get this set up, essentially, I'll be able to work with a bunch of different lawyers at the same time and help them all build out their content strategies. And you can see that on my website, which is phantomhouseproductions.com. All right. So, Ken, probably the advice that Jim and I would give you is to niche down and don't be so mm -hmm. broad. 
but uh, you and I had a conversation yesterday and you said, you know, mm-hmm. selfishly and long-term you wanted to do X. You want to talk a little bit about yeah. long-term what you want to do? So actually in, in a month from now, I'm going to Singapore for a semester for school. And when I get back, my, my six month plan is that I want to be doing exclusively video. And so I want to just be doing kind of what I was talking about. So firm overview videos. One of my passions is I, I really enjoy filming local bands and I realize that's, probably kind of stereotypical, but I like just making really high quality videos of bands that, you know, like just as a passion, not even to get paid. And so uh, what I'm trying to find is I want to find a balance of being able to shoot projects like that and also being able to work with attorneys and helping them grow out their, their online content marketing presence through video and also continue to do podcasts, but with more of an emphasis on video. All right. Well, that sounds good. And, you know, we're here to support you and I know you got big plans and, and we're ready to do whatever we can to help spread the word. I know we're going to be working on maximum lawyer conference 2019 when, when you're gone and when you get back, but we're real excited about where things are headed for you and for us. And you've been a great part of our success. So thank you for that. So before we get to the tip of the hack of the week, please go to the Facebook group, join there. The number of people that have joined recently is pretty awesome. I mean, if you go, just looked at two months ago to now, it's the, the increase in numbers is great. Also, go if you will, go to give us a five-star review on iTunes. It does make a difference. So if you can just take a couple seconds now, go to iTunes and give us a review, that'd be great. Jimmy, uh, what's your hack of the week? My hack of the week comes from my nine-year-old daughter. It completely freaked me out the other day, but... She doesn't use a phone anymore. Do you know what she does? She says, hey, Alexa, call 314-602-3794, and my phone rings. And the freakiest part of all of it is that it says no caller ID, which is what happens when the FBI or the DOJ calls me. So now I sort of jump back when I get those calls. But you can imitate uh, federal law enforcement by using Alexa to call whoever you want with your phone. As long as you have it connected to your account, it works like a regular old telephone. It's it, it was pretty crazy. All right, so your tip or your hack is to use Alexa to dial out. Is that right? That's it. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. I'll try that out. All right, Kent, you obviously know what the deal is, but uh, what's your tip or hack? Well, first of all, I want to second the Alexa. I bought an Alexa about two months ago after working with Jim with his flash briefing. And it's totally helped my productivity. It's totally helped me streamline my scheduling and things like that. So definitely, if you haven't already, buy an Amazon Alexa. My second hack is I figured out, and this seems like a small thing, but from if you have an Instagram account, from within Instagram, whenever you go to post, there's little sliders at the very last stage when you're, you're typing in the description, you're tagging people. If you just tap those sliders, you can post directly from Instagram to all those other accounts simultaneously. And it sounds like a small thing. It sounds like a silly thing. But if, having that ability to, to post on five different social media sites at the same time, it's a huge, huge time saver, even if it doesn't seem like it right away. Also, we just put them up today. All the audio from the, the conference is on the Maximum Lawyer website, as well as all the videos with the slides edited in, as well as all of the slides. So if you attended the Maximum Lawyer conference, your email is already in there. All you got to do is go set up... Uh, become a member. So just sign up using that email you used to register for the conference and you'll have full access to video, audio, and slides from the conference. So definitely go check that out, guys. Very cool. A little caveat, though, when it comes to that, the Instagram, 
if you use something like Zapier to whenever you post something on Facebook and you send it out through Zapier, be careful using that function because you get like three or four of the exact same post if you use both of those. So just be careful. Just know what you're using oh, out there. So my tip of the week actually comes from a recording we did, I guess it was uh, Wednesday, Wednesday for all personal injury attorneys in the group. And we, we record these normally on Uber conference. This one's on blue jeans, but we normally record our podcast on, on Uber conference. We tried something new this week when we, we did this call. We, we had, I don't know how we had like 20 something attorneys on the call. And what it allows you to do is you mute or unmute people and call on different people. You actually can see them who's on the call. And it, what it does is it syncs their phone number with their social media profile. So you can actually see who it is. It's an incredible feature when, you're, when it comes to conference calling. So I highly recommend Uber Conference. And I don't think we've recommended it before on here, but it's a really good feature. Jim, we forgot something. We forgot something very important. So right now we're doing about 130,000 views a month on our YouTube channel. So right now we're on track that within the first week of August, we're going to hit a million views. So how are we going to celebrate it? We haven't figured that out yet. Well, it's, it's funny because Tyson and I were just talking yesterday how we're not very good at celebrating milestones. We, we hit our 100th episode of Maximum Lawyer without any kind of announcement at all. We were happy to have our friend Sean Hamp on for that episode, but we didn't make a big deal about that. And we're also, you know, we're with 104 episodes, which will be the one after this, that'll be two years of podcasting without missing a week. So we'll have to think of something good. We'll have to make a special million video, I think, for sure. Maybe we'll give Maybe a prize. Need a, you need an ice cream cake. You need something like that, something cool. All right, cool. We'll do it. We'll take All suggestions right, in the comments. So co comment you what go. you think we should do. All right. Oh, Thanks, Kent. You're so awesome. You're, you're amazing. Jimmy, what else you got? Thank you. That's it. See you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.